0: hello everybody thanks for tuning in to real talk where we talk about real estate and real life so it's a very exciting uh, show we want to talk about mindset and especially right now in this market how to get through uh this market that everybody's trudging through in middle tennessee we've got a great guest today my good friend keith samaru he's a builder and developer and uh this has a lot of great insights. Has a lot of uh, experience, and and with you know just what goes into being a developer, and all the twists and turns yeah. and risks that you have to yes, yes, get yeah. into. So yeah. anyway, Keith, welcome. Well, Good thanks. to have you.
1: Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thank you for. For having me on your second That's second right, podcast. Man. I feel very honored. It's almost our first know. one because the first one oh, wow. Megan was the guest. Wow, well then there's more pressure than uh you know on me. But um uh no, thank, thank you for having me. And uh I've listened to many podcasts in the past, but never yeah. never been a, a guest on one. So okay. looking forward to this. And you know, th- this is great. Because you and I always talk about real estate every time we see each other. Anyhow, so mm-hmm. um, now to finally put it in in format, you know, on a platform is great. Um, and, yeah. I, and I love talking to colleagues of ours, mm-hmm. you know, telling them about basically all of the pitfalls in real estate, of which I probably made a lot of those. Well, I I was down at Codes today Yeah, we're trying to get a (laughs) four-build
0: in in East Nashville, and, um, you know, we were looking at height and and footprint building envelope and to to figure out, you know, how many square feet we could get there to determine the price of a lot, how much the lot was per door. Yeah. And, you know, then they come with stormwater. Even as small (laughs) as this is, we're going to have to probably build a detention bond because we're – Oh, man, yeah. We're taking away pervious,
1: yeah, soil. Have <laughs> too, too many, uh, too much impervious coverage.
0: Impervious, yeah.
1: You know, I built uh, four ponds at my uh, Madison project, of which each of them cost sixty thousand dollars. So uh, I feel the pain. I I know what you're going through. Um, stormwater is a big issue here in in Tennessee and and the rest of the country. Um, <clears throat> You know, but I, I, I do remember, I mean, I've had, I think we have a good mayor, you know, mm-hmm. in, in Mayor Freddie right now. He's been, I think, he's been pretty understanding of a lot of the uh, policies and procedures that they currently have and recognizing some of the shortfalls. So um, I've, I've had some discussions with him. That's great. And he has some good ideas on how, and I mentioned a couple to him that maybe he should implement Namely, some of the stuff that I had experienced back in New York, um, yeah. and more along the lines of prescriptive zoning. Um, so we'll see. Got we'll our fingers crossed. Hopefully, he'll yeah. that's, help that's us something then. to watch. The, yeah. new, the new administration. Yeah, I, for think, sure. I think we're in. When, I think we're in good hands. So
0: because you know, I think some folks weren't, you know, sure how developer friendly. You know he would be. He voted against the Titan Stadium and and those kind of things, and um, so that's going to be interesting to see how he where he
1: lands. Well, you know it's it's funny (laughs) because you know we always have you know this discussion about, and most most communities, you know you'll find communities nobody wants it. Uh, in their own backyard, right, NIMBYism, right. and um, not in my backyard, right. you know. NIMBYism. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's everywhere Everywhere I've gone, you know. Um, in New York, it seems that it, it was more prevalent. I think they invented the term NIMBYism in New York, you know. <laughs> um, and, um, but the thing that I explain to people is that, hey, look, you know, if, if your city and your community is not growing, you know, in the form of economic development. Well, then you're going to die, and you're dying. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't attract. You know, the retailers, the fancy. You know, restaurants, right? Um, so, and and those developers that require. You know, headcount. They require traffic in order to, to build and come and and be successful. To justify. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a little. You know, I guess the pull and and tug of of residents that don't want higher traffic, Uh, you know, and the one thing I say to them is like, hey, look, you know, traffic is something that is very, you know, um, almost, it's almost a static problem, right? Because um, you can fix that problem. You can fix traffic concerns, right? Mm -hmm. But what you can't fix is keeping away economic development, right? Because if you shy and you push economic development away from your communities, Well, it's never going to come back, you know. So, I think the key component there is that traffic is just another issue that can be engineered, you know, with with solid solutions. You know, better traffic lights, um, you know, offsite improvements to roadways, widening roadways. So, it's an engineered solution that you can handle, um, and that's how you get around this whole issue of um, of 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 uh, trying to push or slow down growth. Right. You know? and, and, yeah, you have
0: to, to, to manage growth, but you have to keep growing. Right? Of course. Yeah. You talked about New York, Yeah. Uh, you know, how different things they do there. You're from New York. Talk a little bit about being from New York and, you know, what part and kind of what you did yeah. there and your family there and then what yeah. brought you to Nashville.
1: Well, you know, um, you know, we, uh, we, I, we, we emigrated here. Back, my parents brought us the whole family. I think I came over to New York when I was 12 years old. Oh, really? Where were we born? I was born in South America, in Guyana, South America. Oh, Lived so. on a farm. Um, yeah, can you believe it? Right? You yeah. Know, farm boy, and <laughs> we landed in. We uh, have farm farm boys here, but <laughs> oh, no, oh, Guyana it's, it's a little different. <laughs> well, it's it's you know when I see the farms, it kind of like brings brings me back, you know. Um, That's cool. And we landed in the Bronx. You know, um, so I came here when I was 12, and we were living in a, an apartment building, you know, with, um, you know, with my cousins. And it was a culture shock for me, you know, coming from a 500-acre farm to, you know, a, a three-bedroom uh, uh, you know, three apartment in the Bronx, walking distance to Yankee Stadium. Oh, that's cool. I go outside and, you know, people are playing stickball, Um, you know, I don't know what the hell stickball was at the time, you know, and, um, you know, and just getting into, and it was amazing how that, you know, even though it was a culture shock, culture change for me, um, I just accepted it and, you know, and, and, and thrived in, in that culture. Um, lived in New York pretty much all my life, grew up there, and, um, And studied you know I was I was very blessed my my family my parents pushed education you know so um, always into science you know when I was growing up and um, so I decided I got a physics degree you know thinking like oh geez you know I'm gonna go into science then you know after graduating I'm like well I I don't know college degree in physics in physics yes. that's awesome and I'm like why What am I going to do with this? You know, I don't, I don't want to teach. Right. So I'm like, okay, fine. Um, decided to go back, uh, spend another year getting an engineering degree in electrical engineering. And that's kind of where my heart was because, uh, I've always loved, um, you know, engineering, robotics and electronics and all of that. And at that time, you know, the defense department were hiring a tremendous amount of engineers and so on. Um, so, after I got my engineering degree, um, <clears throat> actually, my first job turned out to be not in the in electronics or engineering aspect, but in the energy space, you know. So I worked for an energy utility doing, you know, quantitative analysis, you know, so and probabilities of equipment failures and all of that stuff. So it was a interesting um, change, you know, from my studies. Um, did that for a few years, um, worked at a great company. It's, this was during the time when you know, green design or green energy was not in vogue. You know, This was back in the late 90s, 2000s. Um, <clears throat> but just had a really good rooting of, um, of energy systems and how energy systems were involved in real estate buildings and real estate uh, right. development. So that was that was a very early stage for me. Um, they actually paid for me to go get my uh, finance degree, my MBA. So, um, so I lucked out there. Um, just just loved it. Graduated, uh, you know, sometime early two thousand, getting my MBA. Um, and it's amazing how people evolve, right? And you evolve, mm-hmm, and yeah. you know, you take on different careers. Um, and uh, at the time, this the CEO of a large engineering firm had contacted me and said, hey, um, you know, we've seen what you've done, and we'd like to, you know, have you build our New York division for us. I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, so they hired me, and I took on that job and helped them build a, uh, they were a large powerhouse engineering firm uh, headquartered out in New Jersey. and. Um, fully capable um, in all facets of engineering, you know, structural, civil, geotech, um, mechanical, electrical, and they also had an architectural group, um, mostly focused on real estate development. So at that time, you know, I I mean, it was, like I said, I I was blessed because for those, the next 10, 12 years working in this company, I just worked with some of the best, you know, and largest and smartest real estate developers. I was their consultant. Um, so the amount of um, experience that I garnered within that first ten years, you know, was just tremendous. Mm-hmm. I learned every single aspect of uh, real estate development, from waterfront development. What asset classes? Were they? <clears throat> there were they? We, we covered every single <laughs> asset class, you know, from multi-family residential, you know, office buildings, warehouse industrial. Um, And of course, you know, in New York, uh, New York had a lot of um, environmentally tainted properties. So one of the specialties of this engineering firm was actually working on brownfield sites. Mm. So I had a tremendous amount of experience working with developers on remediating sites. Amazing, really complicated stuff. you know, um, dealing with some of the nastiest sites and just bringing it back, That's you awesome, know, yeah. into into uh, in, into economic, you know, and fruitful purpose.
0: Um, so when you when you get a phase uh, one environmental, uh, you you know what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Yet. Well, unfortunately, you know, <laughs>
1: we we got into phase one, phase twos, phase three's, shit oh, Yeah, yeah. And you know, I I did vow that uh, when I would start my own. Um, company that the minute I saw an environmentally tainted site, that I would run the other way. You know, so well, I'm thinking would the opposite.
0: <clears throat> like find one, buy it for nothing, and
1: remediate oh, it. Well, you know? you know, the the challenge, um, and and I saw it firsthand is the, the amount of complication, the amount of science and reporting that goes into taking an environmentally contaminated site and bringing it up you know, to par is just tremendous because the EPA gets involved, and when the EPA gets involved, usually the state DECs get involved. Um, mm-hmm. And they work, <laughs> I wish I could say they work in tandem, but they don't. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The the amount of dollars that you spend are just tremendous. Um, and at the time, you know, New York State had a program actually called the uh, Brownfield Remediation Program, where they would actually pay developers um, The full cost of remediating, of of the horizontal remediation. Um, So it was a tremendous opportunity for sites to be cleaned up and and moved along. Um, But again, you know, it's still, it's like, you know, maybe it's trauma for me. You know, every time I
0: see. Well, there's really not money in it because you
1: don't know what you're getting into, really. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, and hopefully we can talk about that is, you know, on the horizontal side, and, and I talk about. In real estate development, you probably hear about two things, right? Horizontal side and the vertical side, right? Um,
0: Horizontal is
1: uh, moving the dirt, moving the dirt, site site plans, sewer, water. Yep. And, you know, so when I talk about horizontal, that's the the whole site design. and 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 that And that's, that's, in my opinion, that's where your equity is, right? That's where the value of a developer comes into play. Uh, The vertical side, it's a little more straightforward because Mm -hmm. the architect will build to the market spec, um, and you'll build it per dollars per square foot, so you know what the market accepts. Um, So there's very little complexity in that. Um, So I just think that the horizontal is a little more uh, intricate and complicated, and that's where I think the value can be made, or you lose money. Right. So.
0: Well, I mean, I talked to a builder one time, and just like an old builder, it's like it's all about the foundation. What's your foundation yes. cost? Yes. And if you got to do a lot of site prep before you even start the foundation, oh yeah, you're kind of behind the eight
1: ball. Yeah. Going vertical. Right. Right. You know. And it's it's tremendous. You know, my one of the things that I, I forgot to mention is that you know back in uh, you know in my experience training. Um, one of the things, my philosophy is basically uh, served, we talked about site, and we talked about environment, environmental remediation. But, you know, and the reason that that's so important is because what you're trying to do is bringing back um, properties into you know fruitful use, right? And there's a certain level of sustainability that's involved in doing that. Um, and my training in New York was actually it was back in the days, primarily about um, sustainability. You know, mm-hmm. How do we make a, a project sustainable for the environment? Now you think about it, any project that we build probably will last you know, 50, if it's built well, maybe 75 years, sure. right? So you're really taking um, you know, a big step in changing the entire environment for 70, 50 to 75 years. That's tremendous. So I think it's incumbent on you know developers and and consultants and every aspect of the development project, including yourself, I think to um, to keep to be mindful of sustainability. Um, and you know, back in New York, I was I was involved in the U.S. Green Building Council. Uh, we built um, we started the first chapter, uh, a local chapter in New York for U.S. Green Building Council. Very. Very proud of uh, my my involvement and work in that. Well, see see, that, that's the thing, you know,
0: remediating a brown. Brownfield.
1: Brownfield.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're doing something good for the community. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. So how did that experience, working for an engineering firm, getting all that experience yeah. on building all those asset classes, how did that transition into you building stuff for yourself? Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, uh, my parents, as I mentioned, my parents, we own, uh, apartment buildings in New York City and primarily in Manhattan and Queens and Brooklyn um, it's a small portfolio um, my family Great location <laughs> no definitely some amazing locations um, and and I had looked with them um, for quite some time about expanding that portfolio in New York um, but it was just very difficult to do business in New York. The value creation, value just wasn't there. Um, the risk was tremendous. Um, just to give you an idea, to do a basic rezone in New York, you know, takes about six years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Versus here in Nashville, an average rezone is maybe six to 12 months. Yeah. Right? Although so we, when should, I, we shouldn't be complaining about <laughs> how long it takes to get rezone. well. Well, we should. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <you know, laughs> um, but um, so uh, New York was was not an option for us to expand. And so then I started looking around the country. Um, you know, I looked into Florida quite a bit because um, I really love Florida. I mean, who doesn't love Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, when you started looking at some of the issues involved, um, I, you know, my concern with Florida was actually, you know, the, uh, the climate change that's going on in, Florida, in 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 a lot of communities that are on the water right now, um, you know, Miami, Southern Florida sits it's pretty much a, a lot of limestone, you know, and if you think about it, it's hard to prevent water infiltration when you're built on limestone, right? Because it's so porous. Um, like for example, in New York, we started building a lot of you know walls uh, around to make make the, uh, the waterfront a little more robust to water intrusion, but you can't do that in Miami, right? So the only option that they have to do is just you know build a lot of pumping systems. So as the water table rises, you basically just pump that water out and so on. But that, in a way, is an infrastructure tax, right? And I view that as, well, that's a cost to build infrastructure. Um, and I just don't want to pay it you know um, so when you look at a project you know versus in Nashville versus in Miami um, and you look at the cost per infrastructure per unit you know one's going to be much higher mm-hmm. um, and then and then you start looking at the tax rates right um, well you know tax rates in Florida have gone you know tremendous insurance, you know too. and insurance is now the biggest issue well, Coincidentally, now insurance is tied to climate change. Really? Yeah. Right. So you can't find insurance now for a lot of waterfront properties in Florida. So, um, you know, knock on wood. You know, I I I feel that we had chosen right by choosing Nashville, Um, and Nashville just had some tremendous economic, you know, milestones and factors. Um, They were on par with Texas. You know, as far as because I did look into Texas as well, Um, I I looked in Austin, Texas, and it was such a beautiful community. But I got the sense that the values for land just weren't there when you compared it to Nashville. So um, Nashville became the place that you know we we focused on. And what what year was that when you came to Nashville? This was 2018. um, So the market has was just about to you know pick up pace. Um, yeah, I think you picked a
0: good city for a developer,
1: you know, Yeah, that yeah. And I mean, just know, getting
0: here, our studio's downtown. I mean, there's, what, uh-oh. five cranes putting yeah, up m- yeah.
1: more buildings down here, which, you cool. know, that just shows the demand. Tremendous, you know? yeah. tremendous demand. And, you know, um, you know, the, the sort of migration uh, from the, I guess, the, the coastal communities from whether it be West Coast or East Coast, you know, moving to the Sunbelt Cities, um getting away from the taxes getting away from you know the the uh the climate change you know sea rise and
0: regulations a lot oh the regulations
1: are just brutal so yeah yeah, so nashville was a great choice for us um you know and um, we we ended up finding a great spot in madison and you know i I, i'd like to spend some time talking and telling you Mm -hmm. about madison because when i came here In 2018, you know, people looked at me and said, well, why Madison? You know, it's like, you know, it's got high crime rates, you know, very high uh, vacancy rates. Um, But luckily, I didn't know many communities. I guess I came here, you know, very naive, you know.
0: Well, the thing about it is that I do want to talk about your projects in Madison and the projects in Clarksville and any other Mm -hmm. projects you got going. I was born and raised here. So Madison, to me, was not so much high crime. It just wasn't, you know, high value. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there were some places like where the nations are now. That was mm-hmm. high crime. Uh, East Nashville was high crime. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. a little bit going on over there. But, you know, Madison was not, of course, you know, I guess Madison's sort of an extension of East Nashville yeah. Yeah. in a way. And so really that's almost merging because Englewood's, Yes. You know, at first it was East National and then now they moved to Inglewood. Yeah. And you're just right on the other side of Bradley Park. Like, yeah. Yeah. Talk about that project. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, um, you know, you know, choosing the site, raising the money, determining the product. Oh, you know, just these kind of things. Yeah. But the the things that go into, um. Uh, Considerations on when choosing a place, but if we could, let me let me circle back real quick. What I want to talk about is because this shows a lot. It's it's about real estate, but it's about real life. So talk a little bit about, and, and we believe really believe that you know it's important mm-hmm. who you associate with, spend your time with. It's, yeah. it's really a reflection on you. So talk a little bit about how you built community or your network, your network, sure. your net worth. Yeah when you came to Nashville, and then we'll talk about these yeah, two yeah, projects. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's, that's a great point. And, um, I remember I was, I was flying back and forth, you know, 2018, you know, from New York to, um, to Nashville and, um, a great person, um, by the way, by, and you know, we know him very well, Michael Gomez yeah, Realty, guilty, yeah. would pick me up at the airport. And um, drive me around. You know, we'd spend two days driving around. Looking for land. Lo- looking for land, introducing me to communities. Um, you know, Michael's just been awesome. And um, introduced me to my network. And I think I, that's yeah. how I met you yeah. was, was through Michael. So he's, he's become, you know, a really good friend, family friend. Um, and we stay in contact. As a matter of fact, him and I were out just yesterday you know on the boat uh, talking cool. real estate you know that's right um but um the two people that I relied quite a bit on was uh, Michael uh, Michael Gomez and also Michael Winarski, who he actually introduced me to um and Michael built you know my my built yeah. all my buildings in uh, in Madison um so the three of us had started way back on early, you know, back in 2018, looking at this project. So, um, but I've always been fortunate enough, I think, to have a great uh, network. Um, And, you know, I I recognize that there's a lot of things that I don't know. But there's very, you know, almost one degree of separation that I can get to a really smart guy like yourself. You know right. um, I got, Michael's got that. you know Michael made that connection to you and you know and so um, my network was tremendous with the help of people like you know Michael Gomez Michael Winarski yourself um, and I rely on that network you know um, my success in New York was the same thing it was based on my network um, so I am a huge proponent of just building you know your network with some really strong people and good people you know that you don't mind going out and having a beer or a hamburger Mm -hmm. you know with afterwards so um michael gomez did find the site in madison for me um and you know i'm looking at this site at the time it was five acres you know right off of riley parkway um there was like nobody in the area. Um, it was all basically, it was all wooded, um, and you know we're looking at the site, thinking, well, okay, what can we do here? Fortunately, it, it had a vision plan already um, that the community had approved. Okay. So I was buying. So you had to get a rezone Yeah, I, had, I was buying. I bought an SP. Right.
0: A, a it was all, it already had an SP in had place. Had a
1: preliminary SP approved. A special plan, so that's yes. that's where you. You
0: take your plans to codes and and you know it's sort of just zone
1: for correct for that. But there's some
0: pitfalls with that. You've got to. oh tremendous. You know, tremendous. Yeah. You know <laughs> yeah.
1: I call it I call it a cartoon because that's you know to get an SP approved, uh, a preliminary SP approved. This doesn't take much, right? Very little engineering involved. Um, so that's what I bought. I bought, I call it a, a vision plan, if you, if you will. But it had been blessed by the councilwoman, councilwoman Venries, yeah. um, which she's been fantastic in helping me, you know, be successful at that project. Um, but then we spent almost a year in designing the site and engineering the site. Um, and, th- and that's where I think the challenges come in. And you talk about that, right? Um, but you'd already we, bought the land. Oh, we, yeah, we bought the land, um, and then we started engineering and design right after that. Um, <clears throat> so this was back in 2018. It took us about and it. That, and that's really your wheelhouse, the engineering and design sure. part. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, luckily, I was, I was fortunate enough to, you know, I found some really good, really good engineer. He had been involved. Um, Barry Cleveland, at TTL. He had been involved in the whole visioning plan and um, stuck with him, and they helped design the site. Good firm. Um, we also found a, a really good architect through uh, the network, and um, we started we started marketing, uh, designing, submitting, um, and 2019 we we broke ground, and you know 2019 the market was just about you know about to pick up. Um, and we were designing and building 35 townhomes in Madison, right? And at the time, people told me, even my banker, and I tease him all of the time, you know. He said, "Well, I don't think you're going to get more than you know 350 for those townhomes." I'm like, "Okay, that's cool." So I did all of my financial analysis based on 350 and 395. That was my swing, <coughs> and uh, we started selling. And, and it took about a couple of months to start get our first contract, and we landed. You know, our first contracts were about three ninety five, so we we kind of nailed our first, uh, you know, hurdle, um, and built them, delivered it, you know, moved on to the next phase. Next phase, the markets, you know, started to get a little more active, um, and we started pre selling. And we were quickly into the 400s at that point um, and we're selling out. And then of course late into 2019, 2020, you know the market really went out of yeah. control. you know yeah. um, It was a point in time that um, I told Michael Winarski, I'm like, I wish we could build faster. you know yeah. I mean if, if we were a machine, you know and yeah. we can get these, Units out. Work
0: twenty four seven. Yeah, you know, <laughs> in less than
1: six months, because we were, I mean, him and his team were fantastic. They were building units in about six months, um, and I said, man, if we can just speed this up, you know, get to market faster. Um, but the realities of it all, you know, um, so we basically sold out from the ranges were three ninety five to the last unit that sold at six fifty. That's yeah, and so it was a tremendous um, opportunity for us, um, a, a tremendous well, it was a feather under the opportunity
0: in our- for the first buyers
1: too. Oh, everybody! Everybody has achieved tremendous equity mm-hmm. appreciation in in their units, um, and then we started into the second phase. Um, the second phase were just basically two apartment buildings, uh, forty six units, for that we turned into student housing with NOSI College um, fantastic opportunity to partner with NOSI College um, and provide you know needed well the thing forms. about
0: it is what you're talking about mm-hmm. you partner with NOSI College of Art which yeah. is a, a long-standing you know well thought of art art school here yeah. in Nashville yeah. um, but I'm just thinking about as you're talking Going to buy, looking at the five acres in Madison, yeah. Yeah. buying it, right, engineering it, yeah, um, trying to figure out the product because you kind of had a unique yeah. product with the the rooftop the garage door deck sure. s- yeah. situations, um, and you know you don't even know if you can sell one. You know mm-hmm. you're in Madison, people don't really people are telling you that yeah. Madison's nowhere yeah. to be, yeah, and just. Talk a little bit about the what goes through your the butterflies in your stomach or whatever the sleepless the, nights. The sleepless nights, because yeah. what if you build it and you can't sell one? You can't one. sell it. You know, it's just yeah. like it's that's <laughs> developers. It's a very interesting. Yeah. And really, when I hear people a lot of times in the community talking about developers, if they're talking about traffic or something mm-hmm. like that, it's never developers. <laughs> it's greedy developers. Mm-hmm but they're not thinking about all the risk yeah. that the developer's taking with your, and when I was, con, I was contrasting that with, you know, you build apartments in conjunction with a, a, a college, you know, you kind of, the risk is a lot less, Yeah, yeah you know, sure. cause they're, they're already pre rented right. for their, it was student housing, mm-hmm. dorms, but you know, just coming from New York, buying five acres in Nashville. Yeah. And, that's
1: just <laughs> so much. Yeah, I, I risk. I you know uh, definitely just a lot. Let's talk of, about how you handle that yeah, sure. sure. Definitely a lot of sleepless nights. Um, you know, um, I guess it gets back to the philosophy that that I have, which was, you know, obviously, you know, matured in New York, um, and and the whole philosophy I think is development real estate development philosophy is that people want uh, these mixed-use villages a lot of buyers you know customers they want areas where it's no longer you know auto-centric it's pedestrian friendly right so i i was attracted to this site because the vision plan meant or was designed as a village right it's called creative way village right um, because it's a mixed-use community, you know, mixed-use being we have townhomes, um, we have apartments, and, and a commercial retail, which is we're about to start that. So, what I found is um, through my experience, those are the most successful developments going on in our country right now. Um, and there's a lot of experience and success. You can look at most college towns Most college towns are the most, you know, successful areas around. There's so much, you know, vibrancy, Uh right? Uh, Just kids walking around. And if you think about it, you know, um, college areas, college towns are designed for people-to-people interaction, right? But then when you get outside of those college towns, you get into suburbia. And then it's very Mm auto-centric, right? I jump in my car, you know, from my home. I drive five minutes to go get my coffee or get my lunch, you know, dry cleaners, and then I drive back, right? But that's not the case in in these college towns. So um, it's a more, it's a specific focus towards uh, pedestrian-friendly communities. So that was my focus coming here.
0: Well, I think, I think it helped that, mm-hmm. this particular lot. And I don't know what they paid for it and what
1: they sold. But just getting yeah.
0: the S, the initial SP, the council person on board, the vision, yeah. that
1: really gave you a little bit more confidence Yeah. in, in that side. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And I think um, it's a little more complicated to build as a developer uh, just because you have different moving parts and different – product style, certain banks don't want to, you know, invest in in apartments. Certain banks don't want to invest in townhomes. So it's a little more complicated, but when you talk about the risk, and and I see, you know, the mixed-use village as a a way to mitigate my risk because I know that it's in a higher demand uh, community or it's a community that I will get demand for my product.
0: Have you you ever been at the Linux Village and Regent? I mean, when he did that back then, nobody even knew what he was talking about. Tremendous, but the the whole concept
1: was is the is the walkability and the walkability emphasis on on automobiles. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have a few things. I think West Haven is another another great. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. Yeah, great product. Um, Two great builders there too with uh,
0: uh, Regent Homes did Linux and.
1: The guy that did or Fern that did West Haven. West Haven, Haven. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't uh, recall. I Southern Land. I Southern think. yeah. Just some great yeah. great product, you know. And we have some great developers here in Nashville, which is which is awesome and and sort of inspiring to see some of really good developers coming to Nashville, you know, from from New York, from Chicago, California, Florida. Um, just coming to Nashville because of the opportunity that they see here, so um, tremendous, tremendous opportunity to work here in Nashville. As far as, you know, the risks, so what, do, what do you look at? I mean, you know, the, I think the primary thing that you want to look at is is accessibility, right? You know, um, and when I looked at this site in Madison, it had the best accessibility, you know. Um, Literally in 30 seconds, you know, I'm on Briley Parkway. Yeah, you know,
0: and Briley Parkway is going straight to 40 and
1: 65. Yeah. So, Creative Way Village, we are literally eight minutes into downtown. You know, um, so access I always look at is just tremendous access to the highways because even though it is still you know pedestrian friendly community, you know, people still want the ability to you know, shop, you know, go downtown, party, you know, Titans or whatever. Correct. Yeah. So, so that's important. Um, accessibility is important. Um, and, and of course, you know, you you have to look at what are you going to sell at?
0: Another big thing that people are talking about is affordable housing. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your next project Mm -hmm. and, and how you were able
1: to get that involved with that. So, um, uh, you know, first of all, the one thing I'd like to s- suggest is if, if our community here can change the name from affordable housing to something else, call They'll it a- workforce, attainable yeah. housing, yeah. A workforce housing, inspirational housing, just because affordable housing and has don't want it in their such a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, but so we'll work on that. You know, we'll get. Yeah. Ma- great, yeah great, you know, we'll get Megan to work on that. Yeah. She can she <laughs> can Mark change person, that, yeah. you know. Um but, yeah, um, you know, we're working on a project in Clarksville right now. Um, great community. And it's 120 units, townhome units, of which we are hoping will be 40 to 50% of workforce housing. Um, I think it's important for 40 us. 40 to 50% of the whole project is going to be workforce. Correct. So I didn't realize yeah. that. How um, many units? 120 units. So, yeah. so we're looking to do about 55 units of workforce housing, um, and we're actually in negotiations right now with a uh, large uh, you know, affordable housing um, company, entity, yeah. entity to uh, to partner with us on that. So, um, hopefully, we'll get that approved by the end of the year, and we'll make an announcement, and we can break ground in the um, beginning of the year. Um, but, yeah, I think workforce housing, affordable housing is tremendous for, you know, our community? Okay,
0: one of the things I'm getting into Mm -hmm. is, is real estate investing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've invested in some RV parks, we've talked about that. Uh, The person that I'm doing it with, he has a fund, which actually was, uh, or is a sort of a serial syndication uh, situation where you take each project, and you raise the money from accredited investors. Uh, for the down payment, generally the banks sure. are going to lend you 70% of what it's going to take. That's what it is in RVs. So I'll yeah. we'll just use yeah. that as an example. So you got to either have yourself yes. the 30%, yeah. or you've got to raise it. Right. Uh, so there's two things there. One, getting the financing, which, you know, that's a challenge just with the banks because you were talking about earlier different asset classes mm-hmm. this particular bank may be into or not into because they got burned on this class at you know, right. one time and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But raising the money for the projects, I'm I'm really interested in I'd like to start a fund where I could put my friend, I could put your project on there. I could put, you know, just different friends' projects on there, plus my projects. So talk a little bit about um, raising money and and getting financing Mm -hmm. on, say, a a creative way.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I think, you know, Putting, putting aside you know where the value the dollars are created on on the, the site work and and the val, you know horizontal you know I think the financing aspect is probably a second most important facet as to where you're going to make you know a profit um, and you really I think need to understand that and and work with good people even good bankers that can help you because you know I've you've heard me say you know the capital stack right the cap stack um, and that's the most important thing is your cap stack, right? And just to understand what the cap stack is, right? Typically, yeah, you know, seventy five percent is typically a bank, right? They'll give you a, a senior position loan on seventy five percent. Well, so if it costs <clears throat> say it's a million dollars, a million to build it. They'll right. lend you seven hundred fifty. So where are you get the that's other two fifty? That's a, a great, great question, right?
0: And and the bigger <clears throat> the project, because 100 units, that's going to be, what's what's the bill cost going to be just ballpark on that? 100 units, you're
1: probably looking at about a 30 million project, you know. So So then now you're looking for 3 million, right? Correct. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, the cap stack is tremendous. So, you know, take us, put aside, you know, the the senior debt. So that balance there is the equity portion, right? And typically you're going to see about a 10 percent. Uh, of that balance of the 25% in your land, right? Um, you purchase the land and you've done improvements to the land, you got it approved, um, you have engineering st- uh, documentation. So th- you'll get about a, a 10, 15%. So let, let's just right? say, for example,
0: you, you buy the land, you did what, what the seller did at uh, Creative, Village, Creative yeah. Way Village, and talk to the council person, get it zoned, really right. get it entitled. Yeah. So, you bought it for a million, and now it's worth two million with all the entitlements right. attached to it. So, the the million in equity you've got in the land right. is part of your part of your twenty five percent down payment. Correct. So, so that's ten percent of it. So you, do, right. you still got to raise the fifteen.
1: You still have to raise the 15, and, and I think this is where – this is the hardest part, right? That LP equity, limited partnership Another equity, part. that's the hardest part, and I think that's where you talked about mm-hmm. syndications. Yeah, well, I was talking about my
0: fund. Basically, yeah. the the general partner has the 30%, and yeah. then the, the limited partners, uh, <clears throat> you right, even though they raise the 30%, they get the, the, the 70%. 70, correct. And um, so that's uh, – and the reason they're limited partners is, if if it goes completely south and you lose ten million dollars, they don't lose it. They lose their investment, their but they investment. don't lose. Yeah, they don't have any. They don't share in the
1: losses. You know, at, at for you know, for a beginner developer, um, right. You know, and that's what I want to talk a yeah, bit yeah, about. Yeah, that, yeah. That's that's the trickiest part. And you, so the the only first of all, the only source is if you're a you're a starting out developer, you, you're going to look to friends and family. Right. You know, and you're going
0: to be doing smaller projects. Yeah, you're going to do smaller Two projects,
1: bills. right, you know. And usually once you have some experience, you know, banks will up your LTC, you know, loan, loan, loan to, to construction, cost. loan How to cost, and or LTV to 85%. They'll, they'll jump from 75 to 85%. Um, I mean, we got 85% over in creative way. Um, so that That's awesome. plus we had pushed in a lot of cash into the, the acquisition. Um so, you know, but that is the hardest part is, is getting that equity, and that is the secret sauce right there. If you can get that equity at a very low cost, you know, most LP, you know, return, LP investors are looking for double-digit returns. You're looking for 12 to 15%. So when you look at – you take all of your LP investor and you take your senior uh, note provider, the bank – you're looking at a cost of capital of say maybe 10. percent um, So you have to factor all of that in. Uh, what is your total cost of capital? So it's not into just a it's not
0: just the interest carry. It's the the the, the, the limited partner correct. equity correct that yeah. you've got to account for. It. Yeah, and that's really <clears throat> almost like a cost of interest.
1: Totally. You know, it's it's you just don't have to pay it up front. You just don't have to pay it up front. You know, and and that can sometimes be you know, more costly than, than your, your, uh, your senior debt. Um, because certain guys want ownership, you know, mm-hmm. and so you'll have to pay them a preferred rate. So, right. You know, say you have to pay that. You do have to pay, pay that. It's an interest carrier yeah. really yeah. because yeah. when you
0: bring the limited partners in, they want, they want to be getting 8% or something like that.
1: More like 12%. Yeah. 12. Okay. yeah. 12% preferred. Right. And, and, Now, that's a preferred interest rate over the cost of, over the length of construction. But they also
0: get some equity.
1: And they get a kicker on the back, right? Mm -hmm. And the way the kicker works, and this gets a little complicated, is they call it a waterfall. Waterfall, Right? Oh, yeah, you know that. And the waterfall. Explain the waterfall, because I'm
0: not sure exactly.
1: Yeah, so the waterfall typically works. It's like almost like, I'll I'll break it down into like two.
0: I'm going to put $100,000 into your project. I'm going to get 12%. Paid quarterly. Correct. I don't know how long when you yep. pay your pref, and then what am I going to get right. at the end? So a hundred thousand.
1: So for that hundred thousand, so typically, you know, you'll get your twelve percent on that hundred thousand during the the course of construction. So let's say it's two or three years, you'll get your twelve percent every year on that hundred. But then they ask for a kicker, right? And that kicker usually comes in, and the breakdown is something like. Um, you get a profit on that hundred on on that hundred thousand dollars or whatever profits bucket that comes up with, and let's say, for easy numbers, it's a hundred thousand dollars. Well, the investors want to see maybe up to seventy percent of that first profit. So the investors, the LP investor, gets seventy percent of it, and the developer gets thirty percent. And then once you hit, let's, a, let's say there's a hundred thousand in profit just from easy numbers. Yeah. So you hit. So you set a target. And you've sold the last one, mm-hmm. yeah, right? You set a target, right? And the target is, um, or these thresholds, it's called, right? So, so the first, say, fifth, twenty. Right? We'll do two, two, two targets, two thresholds. So the first fifty percent, they get seventy percent of it, okay, and you get thirty percent. The next threshold, right? The balance of the fifty percent mm-hmm. of the profits, it it flips. So. You, the developer gets seventy percent, and the investor gets thirty percent. Um, and there's many versions of that waterfall, but that's a typical right waterfall. And 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 what it's saying is, the better
0: the project does, correct. Uh, the, you know, the developer gets more, correct.
1: Uh, um, it gets more, and, and, and so so do the and so, so does the, the investor. investor, yeah. yeah. So because um,
0: once you once you hit the first waterfall, you've mm-hmm. really completed what you were. Projecting. Correct. So you get above that waterfall, that's just icing on the cake. icing right? on the cake, yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, but that's the cost of of LP equity. Um, and as you can see, you know, that's a very expensive cost of capital. Mm-hmm. You know, that could be, you know, 15, 20% cost of capital. So you can understand why most developers want to maximize their. You know, senior debt from a bank, because that's smaller. That's that's a that, lot yeah, smaller. That, they don't want to participate. Yeah, today and that's eight percent. Right. Right. Um, and eight percent, granted, eight eight percent on a seventy-five percent cap cap stack, and but that balance, you know, you're paying to, almost 20, 25 percent on on the balance. Mm. So, just to sum things up, the cap stack. And the financing is the very, very important. Mm -hmm. What gets also more complicated is when you start dealing with uh, multifamily projects, and and now you're talking about three loans, right? First, you have a construction loan. Um, Second, you have a. uh, Once the construction is done, you typically get a mini perm, right? And then once the mini perm is done. And and the building is stabilized, then you go go out and get a permanent loan, typically agency You're about financing. On a hold. Yeah, yeah, on a hold, you know, on uh, an apartment
0: building. But the apartment buildings in creative way. Are you holding those? Yeah, we're holding. Oh, them. I didn't know yeah. that. That's great. Yeah, because that's just recurring, yeah. income, you know, forever. Yeah, or whatever. I, uh, 50 you, years.
1: you know, um, that's been our strategy. is basically multifamily long term holds.
0: Because that's what um, you were doing in New York, right? Correct.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. there we have not sold any of our assets off in New York.
0: I mean, let me say something about the <clears throat> about the investor and then we'll wind it up
1: yeah
0: once you do a project with an investor though yeah and they get their 12% preferred return mm-hmm. and they get a nice uh, kicker a nice you know say fifty thousand dollars on their hundred thousand plus the twelve percent interest they're just they're just saying let it ride what's the next yeah, project yeah. you because know, you can really you can really build that up oh, if sure. you yeah. deliver yeah. what you promise.
1: Well, you know, this gets back to your network, right? Yeah. Prove yourself, and you know they'll keep flowing. Because yeah. if they're, if, if,
0: and they'll tell their friends,
1: and they'll tell their friends. Yeah. You know, if you're giving them twenty percent returns, yeah. annual returns every year, who wouldn't take
0: that? Yeah. right So if you're if you're needing a twenty percent annual return, <laughs> call us seriously. We're, we're we're looking for investors and just folks that are interested in that. We really have a heart um, to share our experiences. We're not, you know, we have an abundance mentality. We have the same values. That's that's what makes us friends. The abundance mentality is just, there's enough for everybody. We're not keeping secrets from anybody. We don't know yeah. any more than anybody else. Yeah. You know, we're just trying to share and 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 make everybody happy. And that's really the purpose of this show, Real Talk, which is about real estate, and it's about uh, real people and real life. So thanks for bringing a lot of real life oh, and yeah. some real estate. Yeah to the show uh appreciate everybody watching please uh comment uh wherever you get your podcast uh, subscribe and we look forward to bringing you some more great podcasts thank you